the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Todd Starnes Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's Common Sense Conservative Commentary from Todd Starnes. That's us, that's right, I love this American Wherever you're listening across this, the greatest nation God ever blessed, welcome to Hour 1 of a Tuesday edition of the Todd Starnes Radio Program coast-to-coast on more than 140 outstanding radio stations and streaming live at toddstarns.com. Hello, fellow patriots. I'm Jeff Stein coming to you from the free state of Iowa and my home base at News Talk 1540 KXEL in Cedar Rapids and Waterloo, the 50,000-watt blowtorch scorching middle America with accurate news and reasonable views. My privilege to be filling in for Todd today. Todd, uh, still just a bit under the weather. And you know that he answers the bell to come in and do the program virtually no matter what. I mean, not that long ago, he came in for multiple days with a fracture in his ankle and his foot, and then finally, after a few days, went to the doctor only to make sure he could be back in time to do a program. So this man shows up, right? But here's the problem with a radio program. The host needs to have a certain level of a voice. And Todd's just caught a little something that, uh, and, and it happens to all of us who use our voices for a living like this. It's the kind of thing that you just dread. And uh, because you're otherwise, you're pretty good, but you can't talk in a fashion that is suitable for three hours of live network radio. So we'll cross our fingers and hope that he is back in the air chair tomorrow here in the Liberty University studio. But we have much to take care of today, and I hope you'll weigh in, especially during this first hour. Lots of guests that Grace Baker has lined up, but we do have time this hour for your calls, as always, at 844-747-8868. The Liberty University studio line is 844-747-8868, and we'll talk about all manner of topics. Now, obviously, since you and I spoke yesterday... We're closer to a possible vote for a possible new Speaker of the House. That may be taking place during this program, which airs live across the country weekdays, noon until 3 p.m. So we will be watching this, and in the event that the votes track just the way that we think they will, we may have a couple of lawmakers join us in our number three of the program But we're going to have to see. The idea was that they were going to put forward Jim Jordan's name in nomination for Speaker and take a vote and see how close they are. I have not seen anyone suggesting that he is there yet. 
That does not mean that it isn't going to happen. It does not mean that it won't happen at some point later today. In other words, it might not make it on the first ballot, but there might be a second or third ballot. In any event, we will keep tabs on that and keep you posted. Also, since we talked yesterday, the President of the United States has firmed up plans to travel to the nation of Israel, leaving tonight and being on the ground there tomorrow. My first question to you all in Starnes Nation is this. Why? Why is the President of the United States going to Israel as potentially ground forces will enter Gaza. What is the point of it? Now, I'm old enough to remember that when there was a war, you didn't just fly in and out. World leaders didn't just show up. And it seems like this started in Ukraine, quite honestly. Russia attacks Ukraine, suffering, bombs, deaths, etc. And yet, all these world leaders were just showing up, walking along with President Zelensky, it just didn't make much sense to me. I just don't understand how how we just come come and go as if nothing's going on. And you've got the same situation setting up in Israel, where the president will be there. Is it a photo op? Well, I have a couple of issues with the whole thing. One, I don't know why he's going. But two, if he is going, what's he going to do there? In essence, which American policy will Joe Biden be espousing, and will it change when he's there? Because if there has been anything you can say about the response of the Biden administration to the Hamas terror attacks on Israel, if there's anything you can say about it, it is that it is wildly inconsistent and that it does not understand what's actually going on today in the Middle East. And here's what I mean by that. Obviously, you have an administration that claims to be foursquare for Israel. We stand with Israel no matter what. Hamas must be eliminated. While at the same time, the State Department posts things on Twitter X, and then takes them down later, talking about restraint by the nation of Israel. Uh, Posting about, we need to worry about rules of war, and we need to make sure that innocents are not harmed. As if there was no context to any of this. And the context is that a terror group infiltrated Israel and slaughtered innocent individuals because of their religion. That's what this is. The same group that has no care about their own lives because they believe that they will be recognized in the hereafter, this is the same group that is using human shields and hostages. It's not a new playbook. Same old stuff for them. But that takes us to the broad point that I don't think this administration understands what's going on. Recall that when Joe Biden went to Ukraine so that he could be seen with President Zelensky, the U.S. 
contacted Russia ahead of time and gave them the heads up. Hey, Joe's going to go over there to talk with Zelensky. Make sure you don't bomb where Joe's going to be, or else we're going to have a real problem. That was the, the short of the conversation. The U.S. tipping off Russia and saying, our president's going to be there, don't bomb. And Russia said, yeah, okay, yeah, because that could, that could turn out even more, more badly for us than, than anything else. I guess that's what we talk about with rules of war, etc. But you're not dealing with a nation. You're dealing with a terrorist group, yes, tied to Iran, but a terrorist group, Hamas. You also have to worry about Hezbollah, another terror group. So for the American president to show up in Israel, when just yesterday, as this program was on the air, I told you that the Secretary of State was there meeting with Israeli officials, and they had to go into a bomb shelter. The Knesset had to adjourn because of bombs, rockets, missiles, all sorts of ordnance. So with that as the foundation, who in the Biden administration thinks it's a good idea to send Joe there? First of all, this is not the Joe of 20 years ago. So you've got a weakened individual in a variety of respects. But the danger? Oh my goodness. Who thought this was a good idea? It's not the same thing as sending him to Ukraine and telling Russia, hey, uh, why don't you just go bomb somewhere else while he's here? These people are not the same as a nation and a part of the world community. This is a different type of conflict. Very different. And this administration is not acting like it and not acting consistently. At the same time, we are supposed to get rid of Hamas, according to the president. We need to raise a whole bunch of humanitarian aid and get it to Gaza, parentheses, so that it can be intercepted by Hamas. The same Hamas that blocks people from leaving, from fleeing to safety. You're not dealing with a rational partner. You're not dealing with individuals who have anything other than, as their goal, eradication and extermination. And they will give their own lives in that cause, and they don't care if they take yours along the way. And until this administration understands that that is what we are dealing with on the world stage, we have the very real possibility of making this infinitely worse than the debacle in Afghanistan, the weakness that led Russia to talk to China and then invade Ukraine, China sitting on the sidelines just waiting because the Chinese economy is in shambles. You don't hear enough about the fact that the real estate industry there cratered. 
that their economic situation is dire, and in order to come out of that, they're going around as tough guys around the world. Right now, there have been many people I've talked to who say, this is China's deal. All of this is. China working with Russia as a junior partner in Ukraine. China connected with Iran, and that circles around to Hamas and Hezbollah. With the idea of the U.S. becoming so weakened, with a weak administration to begin with, that we will not be able to prevail in a conflict that China is involved in. Now, this is hard for Americans to hear, but we have to pay attention to the possibilities that are out there. Things are just lining up too cleverly, too coincidentally, if you will. So here's Joe Biden going to go to Israel. I don't know which Joe Biden they're going to get. The one that stands shoulder to shoulder with Israel, or the one that says to Israel, yes, we know that more Jews were killed in this attack than on any period of time since the Holocaust, but, you know, you should hold back. Or the Joe Biden that says that we need to marshal the world's forces to give aid to those in Gaza where it is hard to separate Hamas from others. What Joe Biden is going to be there? That is frightening. Even more frightening the fact that it may change once he gets there. He may start out with one idea or one uh, statement and then pivot. Not remembering what he had said 10 minutes ago or, again, them changing policy. It is a pivotal time, as I said yesterday, friends, and we need to talk about it, and we will after this break. Norman, please stay on the line from North Carolina. I'll get to you right after this break from the Liberty University studio, 844-747-8868. That's 844-747-8868. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd. Thank you for sticking around for this hour of the Todd Starn Show. I can't believe this story is happening in America. In Oregon, state officials there are stopping a Christian mother, Jessica Bates, from adopting children because of her beliefs. Folks, this is blatant religious discrimination. And I'm so glad my friends at Elias Defending Freedom are standing up to stop it. But they need your help. Join with ADF and become a champion for freedom. ADF is on the front lines defending clients like Jessica in court free of charge when their First Amendment freedoms and God-given rights are violated. But they can't do it without your help. Just $19 a month or more will help fuel the fight to protect our freedoms and people like Jessica. Visit ToddStearns.com. That's ToddStearns.com and click the Champion for Freedom banner. Pledge your monthly gift of $19 or more to ADF or give your most generous one-time gift. And thanks to a friend at ADF, that first gift will be matched. Visit ToddStearns.com or call 855-417-6556. Well, 
Welcome back to the Liberty University studio in the Todd Starn Show. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today. 844-747-8868 is how you can join this coast-to-coast conversation. That is the number Norman used to call in from Statesville, North Carolina. Norman, thanks for calling in. Jeff Stein in for Todd. What's on your mind today? Well, Jeff, I wanted to say that uh, any friend of Todd's is a friend of ours, and you do a great job of filling in for him. You're very kind, uh, sir. The, the the friend of mine just called and said he called up to Patrick McHenry's office, who is our representative in Congress, and said he is not going to vote for Jim Jordan. I know there's a lot of people that listen to WSIC and you and Todd right now are probably listening. I called up there. Everybody needs to call to Patrick McHenry's office and say, we expect you to vote for Jim Jordan today because he is the right man to be the speaker. And if you don't do that, you're going to be in a lot of trouble holding your seat the next time you come up for re-election. So that's just what I wanted to say. Why do you think he might be against Jordan, at least on a first ballot? What do you think? Is that the loyalty to McCarthy? Because, again, we're all well aware of, of how upset he was to become the acting speaker. Well, maybe, but it's my understanding to this morning that uh, McCarthy is backing Jim Jordan. Yes. So, you know, I, I, the only thing I can think of is that Patrick would like to be the Speaker himself, but he's not the man to be the Speaker of the House of Representatives. All right. Well, Norman, thank you for that update. I'm looking to find that information, and, and again, call back any time, especially since you know the individual uh, as a voter. Uh, I'm seeing some news that suggests, and I don't know who's plotting or planting these things, but Hakeem Jeffries is the Democrat leader. At this point, they're in a quorum call, and once that's done, they'll take up nominations for speaker. At this point, it appears that Jordan will be nominated, as will Jeffries. That's normal. It's normal that the Democrats or the party in the minority would put up a, a nominee. But supposedly Jeffries is working behind the scenes to give McHenry more power. In other words, to gum up the whole works, there are multiple reports that Democrats are making overtures to Patrick McHenry saying, how do you like the feel of that gavel? How do you like sitting out on the speaker's balcony? Let's work together, because if, if Jordan does not make it, where are they going to turn? Well, they're going to turn to the interim guy, at least as a temporary measure, etc. So, again, where these stories are coming from, I cannot say. I mean, I can tell you the sources, but it's all being leaked, it's being planted, it's being dropped, that... If the Republicans cannot coalesce behind Jim Jordan, that Democrats will work to give Patrick McHenry more powers, perhaps not as a full speaker, but more powers. And I don't know, at this point in the game, given how everything has played out, I'm very suspicious of any Democrats who say, we'd like to work together. Because their track record is not about working together across the aisle. If they really cared 
about passing budgets and taking care of the American people, then they wouldn't have been casting the votes that they have all along. So you have a group of Democrats, perhaps Jeffries involved, suggesting that McHenry might want to prolong his temporary speakership. That could be one of the reasons why, as Norman told us, that he supposedly is not casting a vote for Jordan. Stay tuned, it'll change in an instant here on the Todd Starn Show. Legacy Precious Metals has a revolutionary new online platform that allows you to invest in real gold and silver online. Hi, this is Todd Starnes, and in just a few easy steps, you can open an account online, select your metals of choice, and choose to have them stored in a vault or shipped to your door. You'll have access to a dashboard where you can track your portfolio growth in real time, anytime. And you'll see transparent pricing on every coin and bar. This puts you in complete control of your money. The platform is free to sign up for. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com and open your account and see this new investing platform for yourself. Gold hedges against inflation and against a volatile stock market. A true diversified portfolio isn't just more stocks and bonds, but different asset classes. And this new platform allows you to make investments in gold and silver, no matter how small or large, with a few clicks. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com to get started. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com or call 866-649-0304. That number again, 866-649-0304, and start investing today. Welcome back to the Liberty University studio and the Todd Starn Show. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today. He's just a bit under the weather, and hopefully his voice will be back as it should be for work tomorrow. 844-747-8868. That's how you can reach us here in the Liberty University studio. 844-747-8868. I don't believe I gave you the full guest list when we started the program, so let's take care of that right now. Coming up to... Start hour number two, 30 minutes away, return guest to the program, and she's always so smart and so, so on point, Cheryl Chumley, the online opinion editor for the Washington Times. She hosts a podcast as well called Bold and Blunt, uh, had a really nice piece that was posted uh, earlier this week. Cheryl Chumley coming up in about 30 minutes, one hour from now. Mike Baker, the former CIA covert operations officer, you've seen him on television on the various channels. He's also host of a fairly new podcast called The President's Daily Brief. And we'll talk the latest about things in the Middle East. From his perspective, again, a former CIA covert ops officer is going to look at this much differently than anybody else we've talked to this week. Mike Baker joins us in about an hour. Starting off hour number three, Dan Schneider, the vice president for the Free Speech America division within the Media Research Center online, mrc.org. You don't have to work all that hard to find connections between Iran and Hamas, and you don't have to look very hard to find financial connections to Iran that then get funneled to Hamas. And the Soros Foundation funds a number of pro-Hamas organizations on top of it. Dan Schneider of the Media Research Center will fill us in on where some of that Soros Foundation money is going. 
That's coming up in just uh, about 90 minutes. And also in that final hour of the program, again, this program is live noon to 3 Eastern, so in that 2 o'clock Eastern time, they could be voting for a Speaker of the House. And we have a couple of representatives on deck to join us, hoping that that will all work out with when they need to take a vote, etc. We've been talking a lot about the nation of Israel, the Middle East, how it impacts all of us. And I mentioned yesterday that in the 60 Minutes piece that uh, they did with President Biden, they talked about how he looked a bit tired because it had been a rough week. Well, I would suggest, with all due respect to the folks at CBS, that Joe Biden's week was nothing, nothing like the week experienced by those in Israel. And if you go to ToddStarns.com, which you should for all manner of things, go to ToddStarns.com and you'll see there's a stripe right there at the top of the main page. And that's how you can help the people in Israel. We talked about this yesterday with a phone number. There's a link right there on the website as well. Because you know how to get to ToddStarns.com. You're there a lot. Well, the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, this program working with that great organization to generate emergency funds so that they can help children and families hit by the Hamas terrorist war on Israel. Thanks to your generosity, here, here are some things. I've got a list here of some things that your generosity has helped to fund. And again, the toll-free number, and I'll repeat it in a moment, is 800-514-5577. That's 800-514-5577. Or go to toddstarns.com. How about your gifts helping deliver more than a 1,000 hot meals to the elderly who have been especially hard hit? by the terror attacks, the brutality among the young and the old in particular. Distribution of food and prepared meals to the soldiers serving on the northern border near Lebanon. Vitally important because Hezbollah, the opportunists that they are, they're right there just in case. They may not have been associated, they may have been, but they may not have been associated with the initial terror attacks, but they're going to take advantage of it. And so Israel is fighting on multiple fronts. Not a surprise, but your generous financial contribution is helping make sure that those soldiers to the north are taken care of. Families who are in need of the basics like food, water, medical and emergency equipment, and also the psychological counseling to deal with this trauma that they haven't dealt with perhaps in their lives or at least not in a generation. And there's much more. Again, medical supplies, food, water, etc. Your contribution, if you are able to make it, to the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews could mean so, so much. So please consider helping out the victims of terror in Israel. Go to toddstarns.com, click on that Israel at War banner, the stripe, at the top of the page, and that way you can make an emergency donation. Or if you prefer to pick up the phone, well... Do that. 800-514-5577. That's 800-514-5577. I'll try to mention this again during the program, so if you didn't get the phone number written down, 
uh, or you're not uh, wanting to use the computer to go to toddstarns.com and make your contribution, I'll try to repeat that at least once more during the hour or during the program today, our three-hour program from the Liberty University studio. 844-747-8868. That's how you can reach us, 844-747-8868. We like certainty in our worlds, and our friends and allies on the world stage like certainty as well, as in, will the U.S. be there to support Israel in this conflict? And if the U.S. is not, what confidence would they have when it's their turn? And again, draw the analogies, and we talked about this a couple of years ago on this program. The utter and abject failure of the Biden administration to properly, humanely, and smartly withdraw from Afghanistan. That was Exhibit A on the world stage that the U.S., could be pushed around. Remember when Biden became president? He was palling around with all his old buddies and uh, the world stage saying, America is back, America is back. Well, America never left. And America was taking care of itself and thereby making the world stronger. Now you have Biden. And we're back to the same old appeasement. We're back to our allies not being able to rely upon us. Why do you think Putin went into Ukraine when he did? Why do you think China, despite all of its political and economic issues, is puffing out its national chest, as it were? Why do you think that terrorists from Hamas slaughtered innocent Israelis and took hostages for a long-term situation. This all is because of America's weakness given this administration. Period. The, the politics of appeasement, the politics of I trust you, you must have good motives because I have good motives. It's a fallacy to a large degree on the world stage. Because again, you're dealing with Hamas, and this is not the same as some nation that decides it's going to attack. Their motivation is different. They are not a nation that can then be part of the world community. It is a well-funded by a nation or, or three, well-funded terror group that is there to kill Jews and eliminate Israel. If this seems like we've gone through this in history, we have. And it needs to be addressed in that way. Now, it is true that there are people in Gaza who might get caught in harm's way. And that is tragic. But Hamas, unless checked at this point in time, will continue to be emboldened 
and will take steps with no regard for their own personal safety because they look at the glory of martyrdom in an afterlife. You can't negotiate with them. You can't reason with them. They are terrorists. Don't give me militants. Don't give me any other sort of sanitized name. Brutal, murdering terrorists. And for the American president to go to Israel when this government has been wildly inconsistent in its phrasing since the attack began, I don't know if you're Prime Minister Netanyahu, are you looking up saying, oh, thank goodness, the Americans are on my side? You can't trust that this government is on their side. You know, I almost slipped into Joe Biden whispering there for a minute. I'm sorry. I I see how easy that is as you get older. But can the Israelis trust him? No, because they don't share the same values in terms of their seriousness of supporting Israel. And they apparently are ignorant about Hamas and how it conducts itself and its actions. Well, if we just reason with them, you cannot reason with terrorists. And before the break, I would just make one other little analysis. After 9-11... How would this country have reacted, citizens or government alone? How about how would this nation have reacted if somebody uh, across the world said, well, now you really should show restraint. You really should show restraint. Make sure you don't, don't accidentally hurt anybody or anything. And you want to make sure that uh, there's humanitarian aid out there. I don't think we would have responded very favorably to that. And that was just a broad attack on America and our way of life. The Hamas attack on Israel is all of that with the gloss of misguided religious fervor thrown in. That's what makes it more dangerous. That's what makes it even more important that this government do things right. I don't think they know how. And that concerns me greatly as the American president leaves tonight to go to Israel. 844-747-8868. That's how you connect with us in the Liberty University studio. Would love to hear from you. We'll take your calls on the other side. Short break now. Back in a moment. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd, and this is The Todd Starn Show. When the government used emergency edicts during COVID to restrict the gathering and worship of churches, three pastors facing the risk of imprisonment, unlimited fines, and their own churches being ripped apart, took a courageous stand and reopened their doors in the face of a world that chose to comply. The Essential Church is a feature-length documentary that explores the struggle between the church and government throughout history. This fascinating story uncovers those who've sacrificed their lives throughout history for what they truly believe in. We discover why the church is essential and how we prove that this stand remains true from a scientific, legal, and most importantly, biblical perspective. This is not your typical movie. It'll change your life. You need to see this movie with your friends and family. The Essential Church is streaming today exclusively at SalemNow.com. 
That's Essential Church, streaming at SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Todd Starn Show from the Liberty University studio. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today, 844-747-8868. That's how you can reach us. Coming up just after the top of the hour, we will go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line to speak with Cheryl Chumley, the online opinion editor for the Washington Times. All guests on the program appear via that Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line and for 10 years now. Wow, that was quick. Ten years now, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They're the only one. They've been great supporters of this program, and that means that you get benefits. Well, first of all, understand that Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage that gives you the ability to access all three major cell networks, so that means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to, no droppage there, But the money that you pay for the service will go to causes you believe in, not fund woke left-wing ideas. That's what some of those other companies we won't name do. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and, of course, our military veteran and first responder heroes. Patriot Mobile's 100% U.S.-based customer service team, that's 100% U.S.-based, thank you very much, they make switching easy. I've done this online. It is just so simple to switch. You can keep your number. You can keep your phone. Or you can upgrade. They'll connect you with new phones if you need. Their team is skilled in helping you find the best plan for your specific needs, and that's important. PatriotMobile.com slash Todd, that's where you go to get it all started. Or if you'd prefer to call, do that, 972-PATRIOT. I'll repeat that in just a moment. But when you use the offer code Todd, you'll get free activation. So make the switch today, PatriotMobile.com slash Todd, or call 972-PATRIOT. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Todd, or call 972-PATRIOT. Use that offer code Todd. 844-747-8868 is how you can reach us and continue this conversation. Newsmax is reporting that Ukraine is now using American missiles against Russian forces for the first time. These would be the long-range Army tactical missile systems secretly provided by the U.S. recently. And the story is that Ukraine has used those American missiles to strike nine Russian helicopters in the eastern portion of Ukraine. This apparently happened earlier today. Newsmax.com has all the information on that and so many other stories. And you can also follow along if you're so inclined by watching Newsmax TV live, not only on your cable system, but with the app and, of course, at Newsmax.com. Politico is the one that first reported this use of American missiles by Ukraine. This was seen at the time when Ukraine received these missiles from the U.S. as a ramping up in the U.S. helping Ukraine defend itself against Russia. That was all before the Hamas attack on Israel And now the U.S. is looking, of course, to support Israel. 
Ukraine today announced that its forces had destroyed those nine Russian helicopters, as well as other military equipment, in an attack on cities of Berdansk and Luhansk, that's in the Russian-occupied area of eastern Ukraine. The Biden administration provided Ukraine with a small number of long-range missiles last month. The idea was they'd be afraid of enraging Moscow. Well, that check that box. Um, these missiles, by the way, have a shorter range than uh, some of the others. But in any event, these missiles now being used in the conflict in Ukraine. Once again, a time when the leadership of the country makes all the difference in the world and why we are, shall we say, limited by the current White House. They are working toward a vote for Speaker of the House in the U.S. House. It may yet happen during this program. We're one hour down, two hours to go. I'm Jeff Stein, filling in for Todd. Stay tuned. Cheryl Chumley just after the top of the hour. Mike Baker next hour as well on the Todd Starn Show. MyPillow is celebrating its 20-year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold. Mike Lindell at MyPillow wants to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in the history of MyPillow. You're going to get their queen-size MyPillow for $19.98, regular price $69.98, and just $10 more, you're going to be able to get a king-size pillow. You're going to receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products like bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other amazing products you've had your eye on. Go to MyPillow.com slash Starns. That's MyPillow.com slash Starns. Use the promo code Starns to get this amazing offer of the queen-size MyPillow for $19.98 or call 1-800-839-8506. The offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's MyPillow.com slash Starns. Use the promo code Starns or call 800-839-8506, promo code Starns. Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's conservative blowtorch. That's us. That's right. I love this American ride. Todd Starnes. Oh, yeah. Wherever you're listening across this, the greatest nation God ever blessed, welcome to Hour 2 of the Tuesday edition of the Todd Starnes Radio Program. Coast to coast on more than 140 outstanding radio stations, and streaming live at toddstarns.com. Hello, fellow patriots. I'm Jeff Stein, filling in again today for Todd. It's hard to do a radio show, and you've got a little bug that affects your voice, so hopefully he can take care of that in short order and be back tomorrow. Fingers crossed on that. But we will continue today on a big news day from the Liberty University studio. Your call's next segment at 844-747-8868. Same number as always. They are voting for Speaker of the House the magic number is 217, but the number we're focusing on, the number of votes for, for example, Kevin McCarthy. And already there are two who have voted for Kevin McCarthy. Apparently, Bacon is one. Uh, Buck, when his name was called, he uh, withheld his vote, which tells me he does not want to be the one 
to torpedo an effort, or then again, maybe he does. I don't know what it means. But apparently it was just kind of like, come back to me later. So the Democrats are voting for Jeffries, most of the Republicans for Jordan. The key is how many Republicans don't vote for Jordan. Two have already voted for McCarthy. We will keep you posted as this moves along. Let's go now to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. I always appreciate the opportunity, whether on my program in Iowa or here on the national show, to talk with Cheryl Chumley. Ms. Chumley is the online opinion editor for the Washington Times. They're online, of course, Washington Times. Dot com, her website, CherylChumley.com. Ms. Chumley, Jeff Stein, filling in for Todd. Thank you for taking the time. How are you? Hi, Jeff. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. It is always good to get your insight on things. Let's talk, first of all, about the Middle East. I suggested in the last hour that this administration does not understand that they're dealing with a terror group as opposed to some nation. Do I have that? right or wrong in your view? Well, I think you're right. I think this administration, same as the Barack Obama administration, for some reason is reluctant to identify terror groups as terror groups, even though our own State Department lists Hamas as a terror group, right? So the reason why is because they hate to come out and take a strong stand on something because they're all about diplomacy. They're all about talking their ways out of realities. And the fact is, if they underplay Hamas as a terror group, then that just works against Israel, and it works against Joe Biden's appearance in Israel, which at this point, I have to say, it's questionable that it's going to do any good for Israel or for America to get our hostages back. I am glad you mentioned that, because I've talked to some people today not only on this program, but on my program in Iowa before I came on this program. Senator Ernst from Iowa told me she was glad he was going. I really don't know what the point is of going unless there's some kind of unified message from the U.S., and to me that's been sorely lacking. What benefit is there for the American president to go to Israel? What what benefit indeed? He he's not a strong leader. We already know this. So if he goes over there and he's in the public lens in any way, we all have to nail bite and hope that he doesn't start wandering off the stage or stutter stepping over his prepared written remarks. Which, uh, you know, there's a very good chance that he's going to. So it's going to message more weakness around the world about America. And second off. I don't understand why the Joe Biden administration feels the need to go over there physically because they're not being 100 percent strong for Israel. Yes, on one hand, they put forth a message that they stand with Israel and so forth. But on the other hand, they put out a message saying that it would be a grave mistake if uh, Netanyahu and the IDF were to occupy Gaza when at this point it's not about occupying Gaza. It's about killing the enemy that attacked you. What is also striking is the fact that you have this heinous attack on Israeli civilians and all of these Arab nations talk about how uh, they, they care about the Palestinians, but none of them, to my knowledge, maybe UAE, I think I saw that, but I mean, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not coming out against the terror attack. They're not allowing 
Palestinians from Gaza to come into their countries. I mean, where where's this this great uh, uh, humanitarian feel that uh, some of these folks are espousing? Well, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez wants them to come here, right? To <laughs> send all the Palestinians that have been displaced by the retaliatory attacks uh, by Israel to America now, and we'll shelter them and pay for them and so forth. But you're right that the the response from uh, countries in that region has been muted. There has has been some strong statements of support. There have been some other statements that have been really wishy-washy and very soft. Just things like, Let, let's all stop the violence and get along, uh, akin to that. And uh, again, if you look at America's response, it's curious to me that there used to be a time in this country when Americans were abducted or killed overseas, that it was an immediate declaration of war, or at least there were there was talk about this country taking a hard military stance. And in this administration, though, what you have is Joe Biden going over there probably to strike some sort of deal to give more millions of dollars to uh, nefarious forces, the, the terrorist groups, in exchange for American citizens. So it, it's not helpful, is it? Not in the least, because again, uh, and and I commented on this before, this is not the Joe Biden of 10 and 20 years ago. I don't know that he ever lived up to his reputation as a deal maker, but I can recall when he was vice president and the government was going to shut down on New Year's Eve and Obama sent him to Capitol Hill and good old Joe got it all put together. This There's no deal to be had with people who have as their goal the eradication of an entire group of people based upon their religious beliefs. This is not just uh, settling a little budget dispute between partisans. Yeah, this this isn't a political battle, right? Uh, These terror groups out over there hate Israel. They want to eradicate Israel. They want to kill all the Jews, and they, they wouldn't mind if America was eradicated at the same time. So I don't quite know how you strike a deal with that, except to bow down to the terror demands, which is what this administration has done with the $6 billion, uh, for Iran and so forth. That they, they say they haven't spent a penny of it yet, but the fact that it's there laying in coffers for terrorists to use, if they so choose, is just a, a message of this White House's willingness to, to walk a very soft walk when it comes to negotiating with terrorists, which, as you point out, going back to your point, how do you do that? How do you strike a bargain with people who just want you dead? Cheryl Chumley, Washington Times online opinion editor, WashingtonTimes.com, CherylChumley.com. She joins us on the Todd Starn Show on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd. I want to get back to the money but I need to report to America that this speaker vote looks to have failed. Uh, at the moment, there are already seven votes for people other than Jordan or Jeffries. It looks like you've got four votes for McCarthy and Scalise combined, and then three other names. Well, now it's five for McCarthy. Okay, so this is off the rails. Obviously, they can. You know, there. You can once you cast your vote, you have a period of time to change it. But holy cow, there are already eight that are not voting for Jordan. I assume all the Democrats are lining up for Jeffries. I can't imagine them not. So, in any way, we'll keep you posted on that. That's the news at one fifteen 
Eastern Time on Tuesday. One of the pieces you wrote recently uh, highlighted this money situation, and, and we're talking a lot of folks about you know the, the billions of dollars uh, that were thawed that could be used for any purpose. Iran said they'd use it for any purpose. Uh, even though this administration doubles down on the fact that it's for humanitarian reasons. Well, again, dollars are dollars, and, and nobody's buying this. But it's not the only money that has been made available to Iran, thanks to this administration um, thawing out frozen assets and with its policy on oil. Yeah, the, this administration has really seemed to bend over backwards to accommodate Iran, which is is curious in itself, right? Because, uh, again, Iran is not a friend of America, not a friend of Western ideals, and not a friend of American allies. So if the idea is that the more diplomatic you go with an enemy, that the enemy will eventually uh, join forces with you in friendship, I think that falls flat. And I think we saw that already fall flat under Barack Obama throughout history. I think if you try and deal make with your with with your enemies it falls flat so it's it's beyond interesting right this this is very dangerous for not just america but for the world when you have a weak white house when you have a weak president the world takes note and the world goes on fire because the wicked forces who uh have terrorist intent see their day has come and they seek to exploit it speedily and this is what's happening right now and I got to say, another year of Joe Biden, it really, it's only going to get worse. This may be a difficult exit question, but I'll ask it anyway, uh, because in one respect, it doesn't matter because the outcome is the same, but maybe it, it does matter. As they keep talking about things like, well, Hamas is not all of the Palestinians, and if we can just work together, et cetera, et cetera, all of this stuff that you've been hearing from the administration that contradicts the we stand with Israel period uh, that they say out of the other side of their mouth. Is this just incompetence or is it part of some broad agenda that is designed to line the pockets of their favorites and friends and themselves? In other words, is it incompetence or is it malice? Right. That it, it, It's so interesting you asked that question because I just had a discussion with uh, Tony Schaefer, retired lieutenant colonel, and we yes. discussed that very factor. And we both agree it, it, it goes deeper than weakness. It goes deeper than incompetence. This is something that there are dark forces at play within our own government who are busily deal-making with uh, governments that are enemies of America. And they do it because they hate America. There's no other way to conclude. If you look at the actions and just go past what's said on the public stage and look at what this White House has done, same as the Barack Obama White House, it's all about crippling and crumbling America, weakening America on the foreign stage, and bringing into positions of strength and leadership such evil governments as Iran and and terrorist forces. It just is so far beyond incompetence. It has to be deliberate. That that's just the, it the it's you, there's it's an inescapable conclusion, and it's also just mind-boggling to even think that we're having this conversation, and that I make that statement, and and you don't give me a hundred examples of how I'm wrong. 
That's that's really <laughs> what's tragic, right, about the whole situation. Cheryl Chumley, thank you. <laughs> well, it, it's it's tragic and it's dangerous. Excellent work as always. The writings and the podcast by Cheryl Chumley, WashingtonTimes.com. Thanks so much for joining us on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker Line. I hope we talk again soon. Thank you, Jeff. Bye now. Cheryl Chumley, CherylChumley.com, WashingtonTimes.com. She's their online opinion editor and joined us on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker Line. At the moment, there are nine votes for people not named Jeffries or Jordan. Let's just assume all the Democrats are going to vote for Jeffries. That means that Jordan is well short. He could not afford to lose, what was it, I think four. Well, there are nine. Nine votes against Speaker-designate, Speaker-candidate Jordan. So this has to play out. Everybody has to vote. And then there's the time for the switching of votes, etc. The question then is, how quickly do they move to a second ballot? Is it today? And if not Jordan, then who? We suggested last hour Patrick McHenry, uh, there are some news reports, is uh, talking to Democrats about, uh, well, I don't know what. Something that keeps the gavel in his hand, at least for a limited time. So much going on. Love to hear from you about it. 844-747-8868. Back in the Liberty University studio in a moment. Jeff Stein in for Todd. This is the Todd Starn Show. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. not sure that the choice of the song What a Fool Believes following a conversation about the Biden White House is appropriate, but uh, I'm, I'm sure it's just an accident. Just like giving $6 billion uh, to a, a bank account, and uh, it was just uh, coincidental that then there was uh, Hamas attacking Israel. Welcome back to the Liberty University studio. Jeff Stein with Random Musings today, filling in for Todd here on the Todd Starn Show, 844-747-8868. Thirteen people have now voted in the U.S. House, and they didn't vote for Jim Jordan. They voted for a collection of others. Kevin McCarthy has voted for Jordan, but at this point there are 13 that look like they have strayed from the Republican Party line. Again, I am assuming that every Democrat is voting for Hakeem Jeffries. So it is pretty clear that, uh, obviously, it could be a lot of votes that shift. I suppose there could be some people who had a protest vote, and then before the, the record is closed, they'll go in and change their vote. But I highly doubt it. 
And I highly doubt that uh, Mr. Jordan will receive the 217 necessary. By the way, as you recall back in January, it took 15 ballots for Kevin McCarthy to be approved as Speaker. On the very first ballot, he got 203. 203. At that time, needing 218 because of how many members were in the chamber. The lowest number of votes McCarthy ever got was 200. So this is what a lot of people are looking for in terms of how strong is the Jordan support. The fact that the worst McCarthy ever got was 200. Can Jordan get to 200 on this first ballot? And will there then be a second or a third? What happens at this point if he does not become the Speaker? And again, the vote would suggest that this is a failed vote for Speaker. So what happens now? That is an interesting question. That is something that is that is hard to tell. But one of the other things that, that we need to pay close attention to is those who said that they would vote for Jordan and came out publicly for Jordan, some of them implicitly no doubt made the deal saying, all right, on the first ballot I'll vote for Jordan but I'm not committing to stick with him through 5, 10, however many ballots. We don't know how many people voted for Jordan on the first ballot. We wind up seeing it fail. How many of those folks will stay, especially if he does not get 200? I mean, this, this, is, uh, this is all in play. And that was one of the situations in the, in the McCarthy uh, multiple rounds of voting where people declared that they would vote for a certain individual, but only through a certain number of ballots. And this could lead to a lot more speculation about some Republicans working with Democrats. And heaven help us in that situation. So again, 13 have voted against Jordan. Looks like he falls short. We'll keep you posted on this. Mike Baker, former CIA covert ops officer, joins us live when we come back. Jeff Stein in for Todd. Stay with us here on the Todd Starn Show. Welcome back to the Todd Starn Show from the Liberty University studio. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today. We'll take your calls in the next segment at 844-747-8868. But we begin this portion of the program by going to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line, and we welcome Mike Baker. Mr. Baker is a former CIA covert ops officer. He is the chairman and CEO of the Portman Square Group. And uh, as of not all that long ago, I believe, I've heard about it a lot recently, he is the host of the President's Daily Brief podcast, which you get wherever fine podcasts are served. Mike Baker, Jeff Stein filling in for Todd. Thanks for joining us on the program today. Sure. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. When you see the coverage in either the legacy media, formerly mainstream media, or even the cable news channels, many channels that, that you appear on. What, what are people getting wrong about this terror attack on Israel? What is it that is either not being reported well enough, or what's the disinformation that, that you need to set straight? Well, I think there's a couple of points at the at sort of the top line, at the 30,000-foot level. One is that 
Iran is responsible for this, right? They're, they are the reason that Hamas and Hezbollah exist. And they, what they've done over the years through their massive funding of both groups and through their supply of weaponry, uh, training for military tactics, uh, technical training to how, to how to build weapons, what they've done is essentially create terrorist armies that surround Israel and are able to do Iran regime's bidding. I'm not talking about the Iranian population. I'm talking, of course, about the, the mullahs and the, particularly the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps. Um, and so I think the, the White House, the Biden White House, has spent a number of days since the attacks over the weekend uh, dancing around this issue and seeming almost pained to try to, to figure out a way to avoid saying that Iran is connected. And, and Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, was, was wordsmithing this by saying, well, we don't see a direct connection. Well, no, of course not. What you see is responsibility by Iran. So I think that's the the top-line issue. And then the other, other point that I think gets missed in this is that Hamas, as a group, doesn't care about dead Palestinians. In fact, they, that's what they are expecting, and that's what they count on. Because as they know, and as we've seen recently, as soon as you get Palestinian casualties, the narrative changes. Suddenly, it's, oh my God, how could Israel be doing this, right? And that's what Hamas knows will happen. That's why they embed themselves with the civilian population. That's why they've been trying to prevent the civilian population from using the safe zone evacuation routes to move out of the north of, of Gaza. Uh, so I think that's something else that, that people probably should keep in mind. Because, again, you're dealing with a group of terrorists. This is not traditional warfare between nations, correct? No, absolutely. Uh, th- this is... Essentially, again, what Iran has done is create proxies, and they, they are the largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. Right? The number two isn't even close. And so they, they, they create instability, particularly in the Middle East, in the region, because it serves the Iranian regime's uh, objectives. And, and one of their primary objectives, of course, which they've been clear about and which Hamas has been clear about, is the destruction of Israel. Mike Baker joining us on the Todd Starn Show. He's the host of the President's Daily Brief podcast, available wherever you get podcasts. And again, our program coming from the Liberty University studio. So as the U.S. looks at what it should do at this point, can we trust the intelligence on our side and, and again, there's plenty of time for finger-pointing or Monday morning quarterbacking. How is the intelligence missed, et cetera, et cetera. But you have to know a little bit about that so you don't make the same mistakes. I mean, can an American, citizen's tru- an American citizen trust what its government is receiving at this point? Well, that's a, it's an enormously complex question you've just asked. I, I think in a broad sense, right, despite the, um, the occasional intelligence failures, and this was a massive one, uh, with Israel, with, with Mossad, Shin Bet, and the, the head of Shin Bet took responsibility, although it was a multi-layered um, failure uh, to pick up on little bits and pieces that were surfacing, right? But it's much like 9-11. If we think back to 9-11 and how we missed that in the U.S., uh, a large part of it was, look, we were seeing little clues. We were seeing, okay, there's, there's increased chatter, but there was nothing specific in that chatter, and I suspect what we'll find with this attack from Hamas was that, yes, the Egyptian intel chief, as he said, uh, you know, I, I gave Netanyahu a warning. 
I, I suspect that was a very generic warning that, look, we're, we, we believe there's an attack or there's increased violence from Hamas looming, right? So you have to, you have to look at all of this, and, and I, I'd caution people to jump to uh, some sort of quick judgment on this because we need to know the facts. But, yes, in a broad sense, look, the U.S. intel community, right? I'm talking about the people that operate overseas, and that's where my experience was, right? Nobody mm-hmm. would, was going to put me up on the seventh floor as the director of the CIA, Uh, with good reason. Uh, But that's a political position, right? Or can be, and unfortunately can become a political position at times. But the the operators, the people out across the world who are doing the heavy lifting and working in some very difficult and hostile environments, those people just get on with their tasking, right? Uh, What can happen sometimes is when that raw intelligence, that raw information gets back into Washington, and he gets into that washing machine there in D.C. with all the other players, both within the intel community and the national security group and, and the White House. It, that's an editing process in terms of what then rises to the top of any uh, memo, any briefing, any priority list. And that's where you get, potentially, I assume, the inconsistent messages coming from the administration, but it seems like this one is much more prone to inconsistent messaging than others. Yes, I would agree with that statement. I think that was very diplomatic. I um, do what I can. I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, take I, I don't want to skew your, your response in any way, sir. No, no, no. I think it was, it was, it was a well-said, very eloquent, much more than I would put it. But uh, look, this, the, the current administration, I think, has a variety of problems. One of them is their messaging. Their messaging always seems to be off, right? It always, they always seem to be playing cleanup uh, at some point. Um, I'm concerned with their position on Iran. Uh, if we just take what the crisis of the current moment, right, with yes. the, the, the war that's building, their position on Iran was clear from the times of, of Biden's campaign. He was going to, uh, you know, get rid of the maximum approach, pressure approach on Iran. He was going to have a softer approach. He, uh, he was going to get into a negotiation and create a deal, right? That was, that was, where they're going with this. And so for the past three years or so, they staffed their Iran-focused positions, whether State Department, Pentagon, wherever, uh, with people who had that approach, who had that in mind, right? And, and part of it was just this knee-jerk turn, left turn, that said anything that Trump did is wrong. So whether it was the border or whether it was the approach to Iran, they were going to reverse it. And I think one of the stories that's really been missed here over the past handful of months is that the, U, the U.S. Special Envoy to Iran, Robert Malley, had his security clearances pulled. That's not a small thing. And he was suspended, right? He said put on leave. And he's still in that position, right? Still sort of hovering in, in Neverland as an investigation goes on. And there are significant concerns about an Iranian influence slash spy ring that was taking advantage of the fact that we had staffed these various positions with people who were looking for a way to deal with Iran in a, in a very soft way. That is a significant problem because Iran, again, going back to our earlier statement, is the number one sponsor of state terrorism. So I don't know what the Biden administration was thinking or is thinking, um, but if we want to solve or at least mitigate, because you'll never solve it, if you want to mitigate the terrorist issue, that road is going to have to lead through Iran at some point. Mike Baker joining us on the Todd Starn Show. He's on the Twitter X at MB Company Man, the President's Daily Brief with Mike Baker, his daily podcast. 
and he joins us on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. There's got to be a method to this, because it there's so much of this that it just cannot be incompetency, can it? I mean, I've heard people say, well, you know, they, they, they just don't know what they're doing. I, I'm afraid they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I... I, I wouldn't discount the incompetent angle. Um, having spent some time in Washington D.C., mm. um, I think incompetency is is at an all time high. Um, whether we're talking about the administration, the current administration, or you know some of the politicians we send to Washington D.C. Yeah. Um, and but but yes, there are. There's the other side of it, which is there are people who firmly believe that within the administration that we should have open borders, as an example. Right. So there. Are, their self-inflicted wound by not worrying about and not creating a controlled, secure border, which every other nation does. I mean, look at Egypt. Egypt just closed their border with Gaza, right, because they want to know who's coming through. And, you know, so <laughs> Egypt's worried about their border security. We're apparently not, according to the administration, or at least they tell us that it's secure. So I think that, you know, there is a an effort to try to push agenda in some cases, and then in some cases... I think they're just incompetent. We've gotten to a point where we we allow people just to float to the top, right? Um, regardless of experience or capability, you know. I'm not I'm not pointing fingers at the vice president, but oh, I sorry, I just did. Yeah. <laughs> so never mind. You you and everyone else with a set of eyes. Uh, you know, this this is the thing that troubles me. I mean, I, I'm I'm concerned about what happens around the world and how uh, our actions as a nation this government might get us into deeper trouble. But to the point about the porous borders north and south, and it's something I've talked about here the last few days, I'm just worried that when we don't know who's coming in, we don't know where they go, we don't know who they get together with once they get here, and therefore we don't know what they're going to do on U.S. soil. Is that just me stirring up the scariness that's unnecessary, or is there something that uh, Americans need to be rightly concerned about with that? No, people should be rightly concerned. You're absolutely right. But you, it, it, this is a simple equation, right? Homeland security, right? Part of homeland security, a big part of it, is knowing, you know, where the potential threats are. And local and state and federal law enforcement and the intel community spends a great deal of time trying to understand where the potential threats could be coming from. Well, if you don't know who's walking across your border, right, and what their intentions are, um, then you're not doing your job. Right. As, as, a, as a government, the government's prime function is to protect its citizens. And they've dropped the ball here. And it's and it's a, a absurd example of a self-inflicted wound because we can control the border. It doesn't mean that we're closing the border. Right? You, it's not anti-immigrant or it's not racist to say that you want to secure and control border. If that is, then Mexicans are racist. Right. Egyptians are racist. Every country out there is, is, is racist and anti-immigrant. But. It, so you can do that. You can secure and control your border, and you can also say, you know what else we want to do now that we have a secure control border? Let's look at our immigration policies. If they're flawed, let's try to fix them. Let's have a fair immigration system, right? Because the country, rightly so, it was built on, on, on migrants, right? So reasonable people can agree on both of those things. But this administration, for whatever reason, and again, I, I, I don't discount incompetency, but I think there is also that notion that, you know, some people just believe that this is the case. And I don't know whether it's a nefarious belief that, okay, the more people we bring in, the more they're going to vote for Democrats, or whether they just want to feel self-righteous and say, oh, everybody's welcome. You know, it's like those signs that you walk around your, your neighborhood and there's signs on some yard saying, 
everybody's welcome here. Well, no, they're not. If you, if you drop them off in their driveway, I don't think they're going to be that welcome. Right? But people like to feel self-righteous. Uh, as long as we feel good about ourselves, that's really all that matters, apparently. Mike Baker. <laughs> that's right. It's all the feelings. Uh, yeah, well, good feeling to hear this accurate information. Well, no, actually, I feel terrible after this conversation, but it was accurate information. <laughs> oh, <I'm sorry. laughs> well, I always appreciate your work, and I'm so glad we had the chance to connect. And again, it's the President's Daily Brief with Mike Baker. Mr. Baker, thank you for the time. Hope we talk again soon. I hope so, too, Jeff. Thank you. Take care. Mike Baker on the Twitter X at MB Company Man and a former CIA covert operations officer, CEO of the Portman Square Group, and he joined us live on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker Line. Rodney, hang on the line. I'll get to your call after this break, 844-747-8868. If you want to call in and join Rodney on the list, we're back in the Liberty University studio in just a moment. Jeff Stein in for Todd. This is the Todd Starn Show. Welcome back to the Todd Starn Show. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd on this Tuesday from the Liberty University studio, 844-747-8868. That's the number Rodney used to call in from Memphis where he listens to the program on the flagship, the Mighty 990 KWAM. Rodney, thanks for calling in. What's on your mind? Um, thanks for having me. Sure. Um, I was listening to the segment uh, a couple of minutes ago, about 10 or 15 minutes ago with the gentlemen talking about what we can do here and stuff like that as far as combating potential terrorism or distinguishing the difference between pure activists, people who actually want to cause individuals harm. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because um, I've been to Israel. I've been to, uh, quote unquote, Palestine. I've seen both sides of the conflict, both sides of the wall. I've, you know, I was there for about 30 days, uh, around a month. And I've seen, you know, what goes on there, and I do support Israel 110%. And I actually posted a video uh, about a day or two ago stating that. And it was right around the time that uh, there was a small to moderate-sized protest, uh, a bunch of Palestinians downtown Memphis doing, uh, I'm not exactly sure what, but they are speaking out. And there is a lot of people in Memphis itself that want to do Jewish people harm and people that support Israel harm and stuff like that. And I'm not exactly sure what I can do or what anybody else can do to combat that because every time they bring it up, you know, you're, you know, you're said to be racist because you're, you know, anti-Palestine. And this is coming from a young black American here in Memphis, Tennessee. And, you know, I've experienced a lot of that because, you know, Palestinians have commented to me in my instant messages, direct messages, saying that they're, you know, hunting me down, looking to harm me for coming out with a post in support of Israel. And, you know, this is really uncalled for, for one. And it's like, how do you, what advice do you give to somebody like that? Well, you have to have the courage of your convictions, obviously. You need to, because if, if you... You have to stay safe, first of all, but if you are allowing others to lead you to be silent, then, in essence, the terrorists win, right? That's one of the, the dangers of all of this, and maybe it's a matter of doing good within a, a personal network as opposed to social media, which is anything but social. 
I mean, that's one of the, I mean, that's, that's the first response I would have is that you don't need to be subjected to these harmful voices. Uh, I, I don't have any time for people who make threats in any way because that's simply an attempt to try to silence you. Now, that seems maybe simplistic and idealistic, but that, that's the first thing is to not allow, not be in an area where uh, you allow yourself to be harmed. Right. And I guess that's kind of like the hard part, because obviously I want to be safe and stuff like that. And I will protect myself if, you know, push came to shove. But it's kind of burdensome when you have to deal with, you know, this stuff, make documentation so you can bring it to the police, hope that the police or the sheriff's department actually follow up on it. And it just isn't buried in a pile of paperwork. But yeah, well, we're, we're up against it. Rodney, a very thoughtful call, and I wish you would continue to speak, and I do ask you to stay safe. And even if it seems like it's bureaucracy at the police, it's important. None of us can give up on that which we believe. Final hour of the program coming up in a moment. Todd Starn Show. From the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's favorite gun-toting, Bible-clinging, deplorable American. That's us. That's right. I love this American ride. Todd Starnes. Wherever you're listening across this, the greatest nation God ever blessed, welcome to Hour 3 of a Tuesday edition of the Todd Starnes Radio Program. Coast to coast on more than 140 outstanding patriotic radio stations and streaming online at ToddStarnes.com. Greetings to you from the Liberty University studio. I'm Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today from my home base at News Talk 1540 KXEL in Cedar Rapids and Waterloo, Iowa. The 50,000-watt blowtorch scorching middle America with accurate news and reasonable views. Hopefully Todd's voice will recover enough so that he can join you tomorrow. Behind the microphone here in the Liberty University studio, we have one more hour together today. Join us. Join the conversation, please. 844-747-8868. We will go to a guest on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line in just a moment, but I want to remind you of a couple of things. You can go to toddstarns.com and click on the banner at the top of the page to make a donation to generate emergency funds for the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. If you prefer to call and make your contribution, please do. It's 800-514-5577. That's 800-514-5577, the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, or you can click at toddstarns.com. There is still no Speaker of the House. Within the past hour, the vote concluded, and Jim Jordan was short of 200, much less the 217 needed. Twenty people voted against Jordan on the right. Democrats held firm to the left. Seven voted for Steve Scalise. Six voted for Kevin McCarthy. And another seven for about five other candidates. When we have a chance this hour, I'll try to break that down into what it means. We do know that the House recessed. There is no immediate second ballot. So Jordan falls short. Scalise got seven votes. McCarthy got six. You have to wonder, are those just first ballot protests? 
Or, given the fact that he fell short of 200, will Jordan lose support if they go forward? We'll talk about that coming up. But let's go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. We're joined now by Dan Schneider. Uh, Schneider. Mr. Schneider is vice president at the Media Research Center at their Free Speech America and the MRC Business and External Affairs entity, mrc.org for Media Research Center. Mr. Schneider, Jeff Stein filling in for Tom. Thanks for being here, sir. Jeff, you are a worthy replacement to Todd. He's great, but I'm glad to be talking with you. It's always a privilege for me, whether it's on my program in Iowa or here on the national program, to talk to someone at the Media Research Center because of the excellent work that you folks do. And it's calling out hypocrisy at so many levels, and that takes us to Hamas and the Soros family. And you and Mr. Bozell penned a letter uh, that uh, I'm sure they got back to you immediately on, but uh, tell us about the letter that you wrote um, and, and the point that we need to focus on here. Well, look, I'm sure your audience knows the name George Soros. Yes. He's given billions and billions of dollars to radical left-wing causes all over America and the world. And so we looked into what kind of shenanigans he's been involved with when it comes to Israel, because he, he's been notorious for being very anti-Israel. In fact, just the initial results of our research found seven different Hamas-connected organizations that he has spent millions and millions of dollars supporting. And each one of these organizations, right after the terrorist attacks, the invasion of Israel, and the murder and butchery of citizens, each one of these seven organizations immediately issued some of the most horrific kinds of statements in support of terrorism, and the attacks on Israel. Just just despicable. And in concert with some of their past positions and uh, posts, I trust, but it was especially egregious in context of the time, correct? Right. I mean, this is right after, you know, hundreds of people had been murdered at the festival, right after babies had been decapitated and burned, and, and people taken hostage. You know, the whole world saw the true savagery of Hamas, this terrorist organization. And it is after that that these, gro- these groups, you know, these Soros-funded organizations connected to Hamas, that things like today, and I'm quoting here from the Middle East Children's Alliance, quote, today we are witnessing the people of Gaza rising up to respond to decades of Israeli settler colonial violence. And res- and here's another one from Open Democracy United Kingdom. Resistance rockets fired from the Gaza Strip provide a necessary you know, countermeasure. These are people who are glorifying in the barbarity and, and encouraging these terrorists to do more. And this is what the George Soros money is funding. Dan Schneider, Media Research Center, MRC.org, joining us on News Talk. Uh, I was going to give you my local station. Sorry, just got into the zone here. Joining us on the Todd Starn Show from the Liberty University studio, Jeff Stein filling in for Todd. The names of these organizations, uh, it's, it's laughable when you say that they represent the Open Society Foundation because it is anything but open. It is a way to promote their own ways of creating some sort of world view that is very much focused on control. It's just their control. They call it open society, but it's their own form of control, is it not? 
Yeah, look, it, the one thing that that all of these groups believe in is that Israel should not exist. They'll claim that Israel is an occupying nation. You know, it, it's interesting, and they'll say that it's an apartheid state. About 20% of Israelis, and I'm talking about Israeli citizens, are Muslim who worship Allah. They are Islamic. About 20% of Israelis, and they've got full rights of citizenship. They are Israeli citizens. They vote. They serve in the Knesset. They serve in the, in the Israeli military. There's not apartheid in Israel, but look at the 55 Muslim nations around the world. I think we can kind of say that there's not apartheid because Jews have either been exterminated or eliminated from those countries, so you don't have you know, separate sections of those countries of Jews. There are no Jews. And that's, that's what Hamas wants, that's what Hezbollah wants. They want to purify Israel of Jewish people and make it you know, a true Islamic state. You know, this, you know, yet, yet, yet we get these, these Soros-backed groups who publicly support this crazy, anti-Semitic, terrible kind of policies that no human being should support. Final 30 seconds with Dan Schneider of the Media Research Center. By making us all aware of this and sending a letter asking the Soros family to uh, divulge its funds, do you think it will lead to any change on their part, or is this, and this is certainly valid, is this just a way so that our eyes remain open to the sinister nature of their contributions? Yeah, what, Some of that Soros money goes specifically to fund efforts to say that anybody who opposes Soros is an anti-Semite. So every Jew, every Christian, every American needs to stand up against that kind of lie and stand up for truth, stand up for freedom, and stand up against these, you know, these George Soros kind of groups and, and, we re- and reject this false accusation that we are anti-Semites. Dan Schneider, thanks for the update today and the excellent work at the Media Research Center, mrc.org. We'll talk again soon. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Dan Schneider, Media Research Center, and again, making clear that the Soros money directly funds these pro-Hamas organizations. And he joined us on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker Line. We're going to take a break now, come back on the other side, and talk with Congressman Eric Burleson of the 7th District of Missouri about this failed speaker vote. What next? We'll find out as the Todd Starn Show continues. Jeff Stein in for Todd. Stay with us on the Todd Starn Show. Welcome back to the Liberty University studio and the Todd Starn Show. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today, 844-747-8868 is how you can join the conversation. But let's go now to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. And joining us is a return guest to the program. He's Congressman Eric Burleson. Congressman Burleson represents the 7th District of the great state of Missouri. Congressman Jeff Stein here in Iowa, just to the north of your home, filling in for Todd. How are you, sir? Good. How are you, Jeff? Well, I'm pretty good. I'd be better if we knew who was holding the speaker's gavel. Uh, what happened in there today? You cast your vote for uh, the uh, nominee of the caucus, Jim Jordan, but it looks like 20 individuals did not. So where do we go from here? 
Well, if you, uh, you know, on Friday of last week, after we took the vote, we took a vote to find out how many people would vote no against him on the floor. And that count was 55. So 35 people moved over the weekend to vote for Jim Jordan. I'm convinced that Jim Jordan will be the next speaker. It's just a matter of how many rounds it takes for those members to get their frustrations out to vent because that's all it is. It's a protest vote because they are, they're upset that McCarthy was ousted. Well, and to that point, and we read these numbers earlier this half hour, Congressman, it looks like there were seven members who voted for Steve Scalise, six members who voted for Kevin McCarthy. That, again, would would seem to be the expression of frustration, the venting. Uh, that, to me, suggests potentially 13 that could ca- cross over pretty quickly, if, in fact, that was their intention, was just to uh, uh, make a public stand on that first vote and then fall in line later. Is that it, Does that square with what you're hearing? Yeah, I think that they, what I'm hearing is that they are venting, they want to take it out, they want to have their frustrations taken out a little bit, and, and uh, you know, let, let it happen. That's fine. But at the end of the day, there's, there's a block of people that are, at this point in time, never going to vote for anyone but Jim Jordan. And that, so that group of holdouts are only doing the damage to the United States of America. Because uh, if we can't get Jim Jordan elected, no one will be able to get 217 votes. So what's the game plan now? Uh, and, and again, it was an excellent point you made going into the weekend. It was whatever, 55 were going to be no votes. Big movement to get that down to 20 and fair to get everyone on the record so that, uh, again, uh, those who need to uh, vent can do it. You folks recessed. Do you think that there will be a vote yet today on this Tuesday for Speaker? Or is it going to take uh, the evening and overnight to get folks back in line? It may take, like it did last time in January, it took 15 rounds. So it may take that. I don't think it will take that. But uh, I I think that, again, from what I've heard, members are just trying to use their first vote, maybe their second vote. But after that second vote, then people will start breaking towards Jim Jordan. Because I think once they come to the conclusion that it's going to be him, I might as well join the team. As, well, and the clock, save the country. Well, it's it, correct to save the country. Uh, pardon me for jumping on on you, because again, the clock is ticking on a budget, on uh, what the Senate might do in terms of bundling aid for Israel with Ukraine. I, I'm not a big fan, but I don't serve in the House or the Senate. I'm not a big fan of a bundling like that. Uh, what's your opinion uh, if uh, aid to Israel, for example, is attached by the Senate to aid to Ukraine? Yeah, I would be opposed to, I would be, look, I would hate to see that happen because I don't want to take a vote to send money to Ukraine. I don't want to, I don't want to vote to send money to Ukraine. Um, but, but that's exactly what will happen if we're not leading. I think we need to let the speaker put together a, a, a package that supports Israel um, and does so responsibly. You know, I don't want to just send money without tracking where the dollars are being spent and what it's being utilized. And for those folks, like I will say, I'm, I'm one of the individuals who does not support foreign aid, does not support the United States handing out all this money across the globe. But there is one country that stands 
so close to the United States that it practically is the United States, and that is Israel. And I, as a Christian, you know, as a person of faith, uh, I'm a little biased in supporting Israel. Congressman Eric Burleson of Missouri's 7th District joining us on the Todd Starn Show. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today. I saw some chatter, and I don't know that it's any more than just speculation, because that's all that some people have to do. But there were some who suggested that they would. Uh, there are some reports that there are some members who said they would vote for Jordan on the first ballot to see if they could, you know, if, it, if that would work. But if the first ballot didn't, there might be erosion. In other words, it's not just these folks who needed to vent and then they'll come over to the Jordan side. There was the speculation that there might actually be the loss of some votes because these members only promised to vote for him on the first ballot, and when that did not work, it's wide open again. Is that just wild speculation, or is that a a real possibility because so much of this is personality-driven and in flux? It is. Um, and it is a possibility. And if that's the, if that ends up becoming the case, I, I really fear for where this conference will go because I don't think that we're going to elect a speaker without ha- having Democrats. And I, I hate that they would consider turning it over to the Democrats because this is the only person in the Republican conference that can get the 217 votes at this time. He is the man for such a time as this. And, and we need him. We need a, we need a hero right now. We need a fighter. Well, I certainly don't disagree with anything you just said. The concern, of course, is simply based on numbers. And uh, earlier in the program today, I I was reading to the audience some uh, news accounts. And again, it could be a, a left-wing plant in uh, their dominant media that uh, Congressman McHenry was getting pretty comfortable holding the gavel and was receptive to hearing about how his powers might expand as part of a deal with Democrats as an interim situation. Have you heard anything like that, or again, is that disinformation from the uh, formerly mainstream media? I've heard that rumor. I don't believe that that is possible. We could elect him as Speaker Pro Tim, officially elect him, and if he is elected, he would have... I believe it's two additional powers. One would be able to um, refer bills uh, to committee. And then the, and, and I, I can't remember what the other one is, but at the end of the day, he would not have the power of the speaker. We, we wouldn't be able to bring any bills to the floor. We wouldn't be able to conduct business until we truly have a speaker. Now they could try to have a vote and say, we're going to vote Patrick in for 30 days as the speaker I would be adamantly opposed to that because it would take Democrats to vote for that. Um, it would. There, there, I know of at least 50 Republicans that would not allow that to happen. So the only way that would happen is if, is if the they banded with the Democrats to to do an interim speaker. That would be awful for the country. Congressman, thank you for uh, making time for us on a very busy day with much to do there. Uh, best of luck and uh, our fingers crossed and prayers issued that you all come to the resolution that's necessary as soon as possible, sir. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Eric Burleson, he is a congressman from the 7th District of Missouri, joined us live here on News Talk 50. I did that the second time. I'm never going to be invited back if I, well, in any case, he joined us here on the Todd Starn Show. Someone will be back after this break. Might be me. Never know.
Welcome back to the Liberty University studio and the Todd Starn Show. I'm Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today. Todd, just a bit under the weather. Hopefully his voice recovers well enough to come back tomorrow with you. 844-747-8868 is how you can join us in this coast-to-coast conversation. That's 844-747-8868. A reminder, your generosity in making gifts to the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is helping children and families hit by the Hamas terror attack on Israel. Go to toddstarns.com, right across the top of the main page, there is, I guess we call it a banner, a stripe, a place where you can click and make this emergency donation if you're able. Already, the donations that this audience has made has helped provide food and water, medical and emergency equipment, as well as psychological counseling for those who are dealing with the trauma of wartime. For many, uh, it's a first-time experience. You hope you never have to deal with it, but there is so much going on and so much uncertainty. That is a factor. More than 1,000 hot meals have been delivered to the elderly, hard hit by these terror attacks, distribution of food and prepared meals to the soldiers on the northern border near Lebanon as well, and much more emergency relief. That does include food. It includes water. It includes medical supplies. Still time for you to help if you want to help Israel in this dark time. Just go to toddstarns.com and click on the Israel at War stripe right across the top of the main page. That's how you can make an emergency donation right there at toddstarns.com or pick up the telephone. I'll give you the number twice. 800-514-5577. Again, to make an emergency donation to the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, call 800-514-5577. Good people with good hearts in this country always want to know what they can do, and there's always a concern about, well, is this a real entity? Is this the best place for my money? Is this a scam? Because sadly, there are plenty of folks who will uh, take advantage of others. No, this is the real deal. The International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, they are well situated because of the relationships they've built and the connections that they have to do real good, but they need your help. Again, it's 800-514-5577 or go to the Israel at War banner on toddstarns.com. I'm coming to you on News Talk 1540 KXEL. That is my home base. That is Iowa's home to the Todd Starns show. And I get into such a routine, I uh, started to slip and say that in the last half hour. But uh, I'll take the opportunity of that error to tell you that I am on before Todd on KXEL in Iowa So if you go to KXEL.com, you can hear the program. Love to have you listen on the stream, or if you're anywhere in the Midwest and can pick up the 50,000-watt signal. Today on the program, we also post the interviews that I do right there on our main page. And you may have interest in a couple of the conversations I had on the local program today. I spoke with U.S. Senator from Iowa, Joni Ernst. She's a military veteran, and she was in the Middle East at the time of the Hamas terror attack. They then did go to Israel, met with Prime Minister Netanyahu. Interesting conversation with her about the region based on her unique experience. I also talked today on my program in Iowa with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and with another Republican presidential candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy. 
And if you're interested in hearing those conversations, just go to KXEL.com. That's the radio station I work for here in Iowa, KXEL.com. And right there on the main page, there's an audio on demand section. And after this program is over, don't leave now, but after this program is over, if you want to hear those conversations, please take uh, advantage of that. And if you missed any of the conversations on this program today, give it a little bit after the program ends, and you can listen to the Toddcast podcast. That is at toddstarns.com. 844-747-8868 is how you can reach us. And this program comes to you live weekdays from noon until 3 p.m. Eastern. And the breaking news, as I'm speaking to you now at what would be 2.40 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, the first vote for Speaker of the House has been held, and Jim Jordan falls about 20 votes short. Twenty individuals in the Republican caucus voted for someone other than Jordan. Seven voted for Steve Scalise. Six voted for Kevin McCarthy. As our guest, Congressman Eric Burleson, just mentioned in the last half hour, he believes those are venting or protest votes, or however you want to phrase it. People just needed to make a a, a signal that they're not happy with how things have gone the last month, but that they could be reachable. In other words, they have to do a protest vote on a ballot or two to feel good about themselves, but then they'll come around. Well, that would be a a big help, but not enough, obviously. Three members of the caucus voted for former New York Congressman Lee Zeldin, who, of course, gave up his seat to run for governor last year. Uh, Tom Emmer, he got a vote. Cole Garcia and Massey each got votes as well. So 20 members of the Republican caucus said no to Jim Jordan this Tuesday afternoon, and they spread those votes out on seven people, among seven people, with Scalise, garnering seven and McCarthy six. So now here's the question. Can they pull enough from that block of people to get Jim Jordan to 217? Or will there be some erosion because he did not get it on the first ballot? Now, there were some who said that if their vote would have put him over the top, then they would give it. But if it was not going to put him over the top, then they were going to vote against him, just for the public stand. Well, obviously, if enough people have that view, it's never going to happen. So there's got to be some sort of block that is released. Uh, Again, McCarthy has said vote for Jordan. He voted for Jordan, but yet six people said, no, we're going to stand by Kevin. The times are that serious that we need to pay very close attention to all of this. And we need to get down to business as soon as possible. No, don't betray principles. But one has to, at some point, realize when it is time within the caucus to move forward and do the business that the American people sent them to do. That's the short of it. How long will this take? We don't know. They did recess immediately, as opposed to having a second vote right away. So obviously they know that there's some work that needs to be done, and there is absolutely no word on a time frame that I can see, and uh, Congressman Burleson didn't seem to know any more either. Would there be a vote today? Is it going to take uh, multiple votes? Um, 
the folks at Fox, in particular their excellent congressional correspondent Chad Pergram, if Chad Pergram says it, take it to the bank twice, uh, he is just posting on Twitter X that there is a senior GOP source believing the House will vote for Speaker again today, but not soon. This is an interesting post because I didn't see it before I started uh, talking here at the bottom of the hour, and this, this just parallels everything. Again, this is Chad Pergram of Fox, good people. Uh, senior GOP source believes House will vote for Speaker again today, but not soon. That source believes Jordan will pick up some votes, but yet lose others. Pergram says he asked the source if it would be a wash. The response was yes. So it appears there may be another public vote, and there could be another failed vote for Speaker. And we will just have to let it all play out. We welcome your thoughts at 844-747-8868, 844-747-8868. We hope to hear from another member of the uh, House Republicans before the end of the program. So let's take the break now, get you to call in, and then we'll see if we can uh, speak with that member of Congress before the end of the hour. Again, 844-747-8868. This is Jeff Stein filling in for Todd, and this is the Todd Starn Show. Welcome back. Final segment of this Tuesday edition of the Todd Starn Show from the Liberty University studio. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today. Grace Baker says that Todd is pledging to come back tomorrow, and that is great news for all of you. So with any good luck, he will be right back here where he belongs tomorrow. And I appreciate uh, Grace and Dylan and everyone for their outstanding efforts to help me along getting through these three hours the last couple of days. Hopefully Todd will be able to be back tomorrow. That is the plan, and I know we're all pleased about it. 844-747-8868 is how you can join us here in the Liberty University studio. I want to say one more time, if you go to toddstarns.com, click on the banner ad at the top of the page, the stripe at the top of the page, and consider making a donation, whatever you can, to the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews to help the children and families hit by the terror attacks on Israel. This is an ongoing situation with ongoing need. ToddStarns.com, click on the Israel at War stripe at the top, or phone your donation, 800-514-5577. That's 800-514-5577. So the way things stand now, the President of the United States will fly to Israel and be there with Israeli leaders tomorrow. As we've talked about on this program today, don't know what the agenda is, don't know what he can actually accomplish given the inconsistent signals his administration has sent. The other summary point at uh, this juncture at, I guess it's 2.50 in the afternoon on Tuesday, Eastern Time, the House conducted a vote for Speaker. Jim Jordan was short. 20 Republicans voted for someone other than Jordan. They're going to have to close that gap. The reporting that we currently get is that another uh, vote will be taken at some point today, but not soon, and uh, that uh, Congressman Jordan is trying to put things together. Uh, This now from a spokesperson for Judiciary Committee Chairman 
And Speaker nominee Jim Jordan, the spokesperson's name is Russell Dye, and he is saying that the House needs a speaker as soon as possible. Expect another round of votes today. It's time for Republicans to come together. And one of those Republicans who is a supporter of Jordan is Congressman Bob Good from the 5th District of Virginia. Congressman Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today. How are you, sir? Doing great, Jeff. Thanks for having me. All right, you may have heard uh, the recitation or the summation of where I think things are. Where do you think things are, and what can we expect on this speaker vote? Well, I'm pleased that Jim Jordan was able to get 200 votes today. Uh, While I would have preferred if he got 221, but I'm pleased that he got 200 after getting 152 in the conference on Friday. I think that reflects the widespread appeal he has, the progress that's been made. Obviously, we have a conference that's uh, that's difficult to get uh, 221 votes, or for that matter, 217 on anything. Uh, and but Jim Jordan, I think, is the person who most reflects uh, the conservative center of the conference and can appeal to both sides, as evidenced by him getting 200 votes on the first ballot as a first-time speaker candidate. And my hope is that we'll have a second vote today and that he'll get that uh, 217 that he needs. I reminded the audience of this earlier, but on the first vote for Kevin McCarthy back in January, which seems like forever ago, he got 203. That was on McCarthy's first vote. And so, uh, you know, again, getting closer and closer with, with the Jordan vote. Now, do you anticipate any slippage or is it all gain at this point? How solid is uh, the core that voted for him today so far? Well, I can't speak for the 20 who voted against him, of course, and I wouldn't try to. However, what's very different from January, uh, January we were, the, those, the 20 of us who, over the course of the 15 votes, uh, voted against Speaker McCarthy, we were feeling the pressure of voting against our party majority. However, we were hearing from constituents in the base of the party and the grassroots who wanted us to vote against uh, the, the presumptive speaker uh, against a very unpopular leader of the Republican Party. The dynamic is totally different this time. So these individuals are sort of swimming upstream, not only against the 90 percent of their party who voted for Jim Jordan, but also their constituents, the grassroots of the party, the base Republican voters who very much want them to support Speaker McCarthy, or, or excuse me, Speaker, uh, speaker Designate Jordan, and want him to become speaker. And they want, you know, after two weeks, uh, they want to get that speaker in place so we can begin to pass our spending bills and do what they elected us to do. And I think they believe Jim Jordan represents uh, a a commitment to doing what the the American people gave us when they gave us the majority last November. Virginia Congressman Bob Good joining us on the Todd Starn Show. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd. We've got a couple of more minutes with the congressman before the end of the program. So as someone who has supported this change in status quo, and, and this change in getting things done in Washington. Uh, what's your role at this part, at this point, as someone supporting Speaker-designate Jordan in hopes of getting this resolved perhaps later today? Well, all I'm doing is supporting Jim Jordan, urging my colleagues to do the same. Uh, I'm uh, you know, eager to see this opportunity realized. I think if you had asked Republican voters across the country two weeks ago, would you rather have speaker Uh, Jim Jordan or anyone else for that matter a speaker Jim Jordan would overwhelmingly have won a a, a poll to that effect or a vote to that effect from Republican voters across the country I believe is the second most popular Republican in the country 
and he's a conservative leader. He's a grassroots leader. He doesn't represent the establishment or the status quo or the donor class or the, the lobbyists. He represents the base of our party, and I think that's why he's going to become speaker. Things have to happen organically and in their own time, so I won't even ask you to predict on a time frame, but is there any other scenario even a temporary scenario of the myriad that have been floated that is acceptable to you, or in your mind is it it's Jordan, or else we we just can't do any. There's just no other good alternative. Well, it ultimately will take 217 of us. However, yeah. I'm not thinking beyond Jim Jordan. I think that he will. To your question a moment ago, I think he'll pick up steam. I think you'll begin to see the the voters flip to Jim Jordan because think about that. How do they sell? to their constituents, to their base, to those who sent them to Washington, why they're against Jim Jordan. I don't think they're voting against Jim Jordan or that they did vote against Jim Jordan. I think they voted against to express their, you know, their, their regret that maybe Kevin McCarthy wasn't speaker or Steve Scalise wasn't speaker, but they're not candidates and they got six votes each or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think they have a very sellable point uh, to their constituents, to, their, to those who voted for them last November on why they would be against Jim Jordan. I haven't heard anybody make that case publicly, and I, you know, I'd be open to hear what you, you think it might be. I don't think they have a case, so I think they'll have a tough time holding their position against Jim Jordan. Final 30 seconds, so let's assume it is Speaker Jordan before the end of the day today or in the next day or so. How aggressive can this House majority be in putting forth funding bills in time to avert a shutdown, which is uh, just a few weeks away. That's another reason why we should get it done today so we can get back to bringing bills to the floor uh, for a vote, uh, as we should have done before the end of September, and and we would not be in a speaker uh, battle right now if that had happened. So hopefully we'll get it done quickly. That leaves us about 30 days, as you know, to, to avoid that November 17 deadline. I'd like to see us pass our final eight bills. How that happens will be depend on the leadership of, of uh, Speaker Jordan and the rest of the leadership team and also uh, the Republican conference commitment to cut our spending as we promised to do. Congressman Good, thanks so much. It was a privilege to speak with you. Keep up the good effort, sir. Thank you, Jeff. Great to be with you. Congressman Bob Good from the 5th District of Virginia as we close out this edition of the Todd Starn Show. Todd is planning to be back tomorrow, and we're all happy about it. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks to all of you for being along the last couple of days here on the Todd Starn Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.